Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome back. music. Oh. I, I'm feeling low energy. I'm feeling low energy. I need the music. What music? I need music. Do, 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 do. I'll just have to imagine it. I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a bit low energy today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ill-Informed Insight, episode 23. Ill-Informed Insight, your safe space to chat bollocks, to make honest mistakes without being corrected by someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Anyway, my name's Tom. Today I'm joined by Tim. Good evening, or morning, or lunchtime, depending where you are listening to us now. There's like a 20-month gap between the last one and the one before that, so who knows when this this will go out. This might be the last one we ever do. On today's show, we'll be talking about ULEZ. Sounds like a website, doesn't it, ULEZ? <laughs> it probably was in the early 2000s. <laughs> also, transgenderism. That's a hot topic. A lot of isms. Dave Chappelle, the professor at Sussex University, resigning. And we'll be asking, are you allowed to criticise movies anymore? From the 25th of October, the existing ultra-low emission zone is expanding from central London to the boundaries of north and south circular roads. So who will have to pay a ULEZ charge? Vehicles will either have to meet the ULEZ emissions standards or pay a £12.50 daily charge to drive within the zone. Unless you're a lorry driver, it will cost you £100. That basically means any petrol vehicles first registered after 2005 and diesel vehicles registered after 2015 don't have to pay anything and motorbikes need to have a Euro 3 engine to escape the fee. Will this be similar to congestion charge, you may ask? Simply put, no. Unlike congestion charge, ULEZ applies for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with only one day off. Basically, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse than congestion Penalty charge. Penalty for not paying for ULEZ is £160 for cars, vans and motorbikes and £1,000 for lorries and coaches. So why is this even happening? Scientists are hoping that by having cleaner vehicles in central and suburban London, it will help improve our city's air quality and decrease pollution. It won't decrease pollution though, because there's 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 also like there's there's other sources of pollution in London that are like super heavy. Your arsehole? Is it going to be an arsehole? No, it's uh, the London Underground has the worst air quality in London. Yeah, but at least it's underground. Though. No, it's not. You see, because I was reading this week. I've done a lot of reading actually to prepare myself for this show, and there's like I think there's like twenty one vents at street level. Um, what is fine dust kind of thing coming out? Just of constantly it? blowing out soot and shit. Um, and also, if you go around like Woolwich, sometimes Chelsea, you get the um, big cruise ships sort of docking, and they have to be kept on twenty four seven, and they run on crude oil. Um, uh. Just burn tons of the stuff every day, thousands of cars worth. I'd have to play Ulez. <laughs> All right, so Ulez, yeah, I was gonna. I had to come up in my head for a second there for a letter acronym, and it stands for Ultra Low Emission Zone. And now this is um, this is coming. This is sort of a, well, it a always, twenty year trend, really, isn't it? With London trying to get cars off the road in London. I think it's just to keep the money coming in for TfL because it's like such a hugely expensive edifice. Well, it was Ken Livingstone who was the first London mayor to introduce the congestion charge. Wasn't that Monday to Friday? Yeah, certain times seven till six, and then they. Um, but then they during they coronavirus expanded that, they right? expanded it. They tried to make it like twenty four seven. It still might be. It's gone down. I don't know. But um, 
And the, the ULEZ, ULEZ, is, ULEZ on, is, is a new one, though, because it encapsulates so many more tens of thousands of people. Basically, it's millions, all... Actually. Like, congestion charge was primarily just central London. Mm. If you're out in greater London, you're fine. Yeah. But ULEZ is pretty much the entirety of London. Yeah. £12.50 a day if you want to drive your car in London, pretty much. If it's, if it's, if it's like an old car, you know, that you've maintained lovingly, that's like 20 years old, like mine, you know... Japanese sports coupe of the late 90s, pinnacle of human engineering. But yeah, I, it, to use my car like I had to, I'd have to pay, uh, you know, £12.30 every day. Um, and it's really damaged the quality of my life. Like Thursday morning this week, 6am, I'm walking through the driving rain and wh- howling wind in the pitch black, trudging to the tube to have to get into this little metal sardine can with the rest of these fucking plebs. <laughs> Whereas the week before, I was reclining in my aforementioned late 90s Japanese sports coupe. <coughs> seat, heated seats, radio station of my choice playing at a volume of my choice. Finishing off the last remnants of McDonald's breakfast. All of these things I could not do anymore. Still in one hand. Exactly. And I can't do these things on the tube. Um, it's ruined my life. It's ruined my life. <laughs> All right, I love that, I love that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, for um, obviously, anytime this sort of congestion charge thing happens, people, people who own cars are fucking outraged. Car owners are the tip of the spear of righteousness in this argument because, like, also in the news, the government wants to give everyone a £5,000 grant, which isn't even enough money, to replace their gas boiler. So they're using sort of induction heaters instead. But, but And there's that, and then there's another story I saw where they want to put extra tax on meat and dairy products because they say, oh, it's bad for your health. And also because they say the the production of these products contributes significantly to global warming as well. So they want to encourage us to have less meat, uh, eat well, more soya. Before we get to that, ULEZ has basically <laughs> worked, right? The whole point of it and the whole point of the congestion charge was to get the number of cars in London down. And according to TfL, there are now finally, like the number of... Uh, newly registered cars and cars out on the daily basis is st- it's actually started to go down now what, it's been trending what? up for like you know, since the 80s oh right well i was just gonna say what are those figures from because last week it was half term so tfl yeah well, last week it was half term so the roads were a lot quieter um but it's kind of weird because you said but it doesn't it doesn't even matter if there's less cars the traffic is worse than it's ever been in london and this i say is, this as yeah, someone who weird. drives through central london every I was day ask you. because they they They've put in, like, all these new cycle lanes everywhere. Like, the um, the main arterial road that goes, like, north into, like north and south into London from Finchley, that used to be, like, three lanes, you know? Now it's one lane and, like, a huge sort of cycle bus lane that's always empty. So there's, like, sort of this artificial queue of traffic there 24-7. And it's, like, it's all over London. They've got these things called LTNs, low-traffic neighbourhoods, where they put these huge concrete planters. Another literally, fucking acronym. Literally, huge concrete planters in the middle of roads, roadblocks, so that cars... What's the purpose? To, to physically stop cars from entering roads. So... What if you live there? You have to... Just, you're fucked. You have to go out the other way, like, go around five Jeez. miles. On the surface, they've, it's like they've tried to make the actual experience of driving so unpleasant. You're, you're not going to want to do it anymore. But in a way, it's work though, right? Because you you're taking the tube now. Instead, you would have driven into London. Now you're taking the tube. That's kind of like Sadiq Khan would no, say, yes, fu- no, this worked. No, funnily, funnily enough, I've, um, I've sort of had, I've been loaned a sort of uh, nice, <laughs> a nice car for a two weeks. Motor. Yeah. Um, but it happens to be like a sort of turbo diesel. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you know monster I, yeah so just by sheer you know cosmic accident i'll still be pumping out fumes for a few more weeks thank you very much my heated seats but according to tfl <laughs> right, was, in hand. because they've done like impact assessments on congestion charge like we're not going to know what the effects of ulez is until like a few years from now right but the congestion charge came in was it like 2006? Well, hopefully we'll all, like hopefully we'll all feel the benefits of like increased lung capacity. Well, this is what TFL is saying. A general There's fewer cars. Uh, the average car journey in London has come down. Yeah. There's fewer accidents. I don't know though. Less pollution. Yeah, but think things will change. Like um, maybe there'll be like more wildlife around or something. But I don't know because you see, maybe the fumes, maybe the fumes masked masked all the bo. And suddenly, that's ex- yeah, we're getting like we're so, reaching now for a benefit of like uh, you can combustion imagine, engines. But you can you can imagine with our sort Less of bo with our new not with our newly increased lung capacity and like engorged capillaries of our nostrils, we'll be able to like breathe all this fresh bo in. And it's like, oh, I'd rather smell fumes. Thank you very much. Well, I was looking around at these reports, right, and I found a, a separate one from the impact assessment on congestion charge yeah. that was about how um, buses are becoming increasingly delayed in London. Now that doesn't make sense to me. If there are fewer cars, supposedly there's less congestion now no, no, as no, a result no. of congestion what, charge, right? But what's holding up the buses? Well, then? you see, the, like I said, there's been this huge installation of, like, cycle lanes, and they've incorporated them into, like, a lot of bus lanes. So but aren't they mostly lot... shared with bus lanes? No, no, no. no. So, you see, where's... Outside the... of, you know, after 10am, there's no cyclists out there that are using the cycle lanes. There's Tom, all delivery Tom, drivers Tom, going along Tom, pavements Tom, and alleyways. Tom, it only takes one. It only takes one or two cyclists because whereas before they just had a, a white stripe on the road, now there's actually physical bollards. There's these little plastic bollards. So, like, if there's some, like, 89-year-old cyclist doddering along, the bus physically can't overtake them. You know, it, it slowed them down. And another bad one is the Euston Road, which is the sort of most busy road that runs laterally across London. Um, again, that's, like, gone from three lanes down to one and a huge bus cycle lane with these bollards. So there's always traffic there. And constantly I'll be in that queue of traffic and there'll be an ambulance and you can't move out the way well one thing tfl acknowledged right there's a shitload more minicabs and private car hires so it makes me think did most londoners did they figure out that actually it's cheaper to just register your car as a minicab yeah i see so pay i see so many cars like being driven terribly with these like yellow stickers in the windows denoting they're a cab and no one's in the back seat and it it, it won't be like a cab driver driving it let me put it like that it'll be like you know a sort of female uh, you know who looks more like a student say driving's boring i'm talking about this this like the thing with the ambulances and you know the there's all these other examples like with ulez like apparently the biggest recycling center in south london falls just inside the boundary i was gonna make a croydon joke but yeah so it is croydon so like all these people who previously would quite happily drop off all their recycling stuff at the dump now they're gonna have to pay 12 pound 50 every time they do that no so they're gonna just start fly tipping tipping, yeah (laughs) Yeah. i was gonna say um uh, there's all sorts of different things, but it's 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 this law. It's the law. Because even around where I live, yeah, yeah. these days, um, there's more people burning shit in their back garden. Mm. There's more people leaving stuff out on the side of the pavement. Well, ever since the pandemic, whereas because I'm I'm always taking stuff up the dump <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> ever since the pandemic, you have to book a slot now. It's the same at my gym. You have to like book a time slot. But, but you know, gonna, it's not enforced, right? Well, it is sort of. So, whereas whereas before you could just sort of rock up whenever you wanted, now you have to, like, book it online and stuff. So it's just like an extra hassle. So people just, like, I'll sod it, I'll set fire to it in my garden. But, like, it's, it's that's the thing. It's this whole law of unintended consequences. 
isn't it? It's, the road to hell is is paved with good intentions. But what are it's, the an, it's an old it's an old saying. But it's a good saying. It's like I say, the unintended consequences is like ambulance, it's cleaner air. It's cleaner air. Ambulances getting stuck in in the traffic and people dying. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's 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 cleaner air. It's like families can't afford anything anymore because they're spending all their money on travel. Even if you're a good good little girl or a good little boy and you get on the tube every day, that's still a massive expense. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately. It's just going to drive chunk. up the cost of li- uh, living. It's a big chunk of people's wages. <laughs> in London, right, there's a sort of a myth. Yeah, w- when you get to the outskirts of London, yeah, yeah, you find more affluent middle-class people. Yeah. But inside of London, it's really all working-class people. It's like, and I'm talking well, sort of like a lot of dirt poor people. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm talking like places like Tower Hamlets, yeah, but it's Bethnal Green... I know, but it needs people. It needs people working at every level, doing everything imaginable, because it is it is the centre of the... It's the engine, no pun intended, of, of the country financially. But middle-class people have been priced out. Working-class well, people who don't really have a choice. They're living in like a council flat anyway. Well, they've just been crushed into all oblivion, may as well stay on the bennies. Exactly, pretty much. So I think London's one of those cities where you spend most of your income on rent. Yeah. Well, at least you won't uh, have the cost of owning a car soon. At least you'll have increased lung capacity and you can smell more BO. Be able to go up Highgate Hill on a bike. (laughs) And and then what? Then what? Don't get me started on bikes, man. I think they're the most selfish form of transport ever invented. (laughs) Okay? The standard bicycle, just through very nature of its instability, you, you, you can't carry passengers easily. You can't carry large loads you're basically useless. You, it's, it's so selfish. You're just you're just going out for it's it's, it's good as like a children's toy. To bring this back to Sadiq Khan, do you ever see Sadiq Khan on public transport? Well, I'm sure he, he's chauffeur driven around. He he, like he the political class he, will continue to be chauffeur driven. I know, around but London. it's it's gotten so bad now in London. Sadiq Khan couldn't get on public transport if he wanted to because <laughs> he'd be immediately like you know attacked on site by well, hundred people. Lawless London. Whose fault's that? I, years ago, I wished that I'd opened up a knife accessories shop, like that would offer like an engraving service, little LED laser. Yeah, well, you could have custom handles. You know, you could have like custom handles, and um, you could get like engraved, like laser engraving on the blade, like your gang name or your logo of your drill band. But yeah, this isn't really anything, you know, Sadiq Khan tends to get a kicking on this podcast. But yeah, this isn't really, this is sort of just a continuation of what I think most cities around the world are starting to do now. Well, people who hate Sadiq Khan, there's people who hate Sadiq Khan who like worship the feet of Boris Johnson. And they don't realise that he's like the, the, the biggest like green wonk out there like he, he was the one who introduced the, the he made a big deal about cycling and cycling, cycling and <sighs> he didn't introduce the bikes that was ken Livingston as well but boris it, but the they, only people... it started when boris became mayor i'm sorry but just anyone if you walk around london the only people you see on bicycles like literally 90 percent delivery drivers no are like white middle-aged guys on like very expensive bikes it's not used by like all all, all levels of society cycling. Yeah, it's it's a very middle-class thing, like I say, because... The only people I see using the rent bikes are yeah. tourists. But, like, imagine if you're doing, like, a late-night shift. You've been working at the hospital for, like, six hours or, like, waitering or barkeeping in some central London bar until, like, 3 a.m. in the morning. You don't want to jump on a bike and, like, cycle uphill for, for an hour and a half. 
you know what I mean? Get one of those two, three grand bikes with the electric motor. But you can't anymore, you know, because you, before you'd be able to get in your car, but now you have to pay your bloody U lesson. Well, that is, that's what, it's so middle class, this green thing. It's, that's what I hate about it. It's such a, a comfortable bourgeois fantasy. You know what I mean? Where it's like, as long as you feel like you're doing the right thing, like, okay, buy a Tesla. Well done. You're being green, but all you're doing is moving your pollution somewhere else. Like yeah, you're it, just you, offsetting you, it. You're plugging it into the wall. That that plug in the wall goes all the way to a power station that will belch out X amount more times more smoke just for your car. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like when everyone gets electric cars, this country is going to be like, we'll just be humming like, well, you know, the amount um, of power we need to have for it. Uh, Coronation Street. Yeah. Anyone doesn't know, Coronation Street used to be like one of the most watched programs in the UK. Was it half seven every, like it was every week now, wasn't well, it half seven? It's still going. It's the longest running soap. It's been but around it, since the It 50s. has an ad break. And traditionally what English people did during Corrie, during the ad break, was go uh, put the kettle on. And they think that the drain on the energy grid was so immense when everyone watching Coronation Street, I mean, we're talking like sort of like 30 million people or something like that. Yeah. They all, all of them turning their kettles on at the same time. UK uh, National Electricity Grid can't handle it on its own. And so in preparation for this, the French send us extra energy right before the ad break of Coronation Street. Mm. And when we're on renewables and everyone's plugged their Tesla, <laughs> you know, they've come home yeah. from work, they've plugged their Tesla mm. into the mains, yeah. they're watching Corrie, they go to their kettle. Like, what's gonna, it's going to be blackout every fucking night. Well, that's why um, a few years ago there was a massive, massive push to get everyone on smart meters you know, uh, for their electricity meter. They want everyone on smart meters because that basically means eventually you'll be able to do... They knew the bill, the average bill is going to go up. Yeah, but you see, it gives a smart meter gives you more information. It doesn't just tell you how much electricity you use. It tells when you when, use yeah. it and how you use it. And so having a smart meter will allow electricity companies to do uh, energy surcharging. So it will cost more to use electricity like early in the evening between six and eight to try and put people off from charging their car as soon as they get home. And it's it's very interesting. This sort of, the whole green agenda it is going to sort of change the way the world finance works as well. Because ultimately, long term, this is getting out into the sort of cashless society territory. Mm. If we do go completely cashless, which I hope we won't do, um, eventually, what you might get instead of a salary, you'll get instead of money, you'll get carbon credits, which you'll offset against mm. your your use. Oh no! So you'll you'll be allotted like X amount of credits per week that you can use and once you reach that limit it will just you'll be you know shut off or switched off as a way of like protecting mind, the environment carbon carbon just setting. like watching things on the internet is generating carbon yeah. bitcoin mining oh, like that's Bitcoin's, ridiculous yeah, that's insane it's taking up loads of the world's electricity now with such an in-depth topic this whole thing like the environment but i, I, think, okay, I think you can sum the whole thing up into like Unintended consequences, so, you know... Uh, well, I saw Greta Thunberg was on TV again. I didn't listen. I just walked past TV and saw her face in it. I'm kind of in, like... We're at the point, right? Well, I'm getting annoyed with Greta Thunberg in the sense, like, she never really knows any of the details or any of the like, data. Do you know what I mean? She's, she doesn't have to, though. She's presented as, like, a sort of expert. But really, her shtick is just... You're not doing anything. Tom. That's not true. We're doing this. Tom. Oh, okay. You're doing that, but it's not enough. You need to do more. Yeah, That's her whole I thing. But she, okay. So, okay. It's boring. Well, she's, she's 18 now. So technically she's an adult and open to all sort of criticism and whatever. But you've got to remember that she was a kid. She's a kid. Children don't need. It was obviously being used. Obviously. But like I said, none of the children on Captain Planet had doctorates, did they? <laughs> but 
like I'm saying though, this, this I like my generation has known about this, and that's the frustrating thing. It's like, okay, no matter what I do, it doesn't matter. I could like strip naked and live as a hermit in the in the woods for the rest of my life. It's not going to make one jot of difference unless the the big money, the big businesses, just change their ways completely. Like, say these petrol chemical companies, they pay fines in advance. They they pay like sort of. Uh, money for like all the leakages well, you know carbon tax credits yeah but like, just, that was blatantly just, about, just paying to pollute the planet yeah but i'm just talking about this. they pay these like leakage fines every day which is just a set amount of money for like they just assume that there's going to be so many things being spilled into the ocean every day from leaky pipes and they worked out it's cheaper for them to pay that every day than to just fix and not prevent then, then just fix the pipes yeah um exactly. you know or make their practices cleaner and it's like until they do something nothing's going to change yeah, I mean, well, to go back to Greta Thunberg and sort of the environmentalist movement at the moment, what I don't like about it, first and foremost, they're not really environmentalists. They're anti-capitalists that want to get rid of capitalism. Well, you can and say... And that's, like, that's what every one of their policy ideas is based on, is killing capitalism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I've got to be a little bit devilly advocate because there are only two of us on this show. And, like, you, you could easily argue that, that capitalism has, has been the, the biggest single creator of the climate crisis in terms of carbon emissions ever since the Industrial Revolution, you know, which we invented in this country. Yeah, but it's not like socialist countries don't pollute, do you know what I mean? And capitalist countries do, do you know what I mean? But there, but there, there is that slight hypocrisy as well where it's like we expect India and China to stop polluting, but we've been polluting for, like, 200 what? years more than them. They're only, they've only just, they've only just started polluting, polluting. Give them a chance, you know. I, probably, I can't be bothered to try and find it online. But did you see that image? It was making the rounds. Um, it was like a, like a graph kind of thing showing it, like how much America pollutes, how much UK pollutes, yeah. how much Western Europe, and then like China, right? Big gold chunk. It's just massive. Like it's like seventy five percent red China. If you actually look at like what carbon emissions were thirty years ago compared to now, Western Europe has done a fair amount. To get to net zero, you know, there's uh, this 2030 announcement. There'll be big announcements at this, what's it called, COP26, COP26 or something? Yeah. The point of the announcement is, like, they're not really... They have no intention of actually hitting those targets that they announced, do you know what I mean? They just... They score points for announcing it. But net zero, to actually get to net zero, the standard of living in this country is going to have to plummet. Nobody would vote for it. Let's put it that way. If If it was part of your party manifesto, nobody would vote for it. At the moment, they're gonna, they have, they're trying to have to do it slyly, clandestinely by the back door. Tom, man, I always like like going to going to extremes, as you know, and like th- there is like a sort of fundamental dishonesty at the heart of the environmentalists' argument. Eco warriors, yeah, because if they have to be, if they have to be completely realistic in achieving their goals, you would need a massive reduction in the world's population. Or at least, uh, you know, a reduction in its growth because that, that is like the main contributor. The more billions of us there are, the more waste and you'd have to get rid of need. like air travel and like I say, cars, <laughs> what, what, central heating. What I find quite freaky is, is just the fact you and me were even talking about the environment. Cause t- to be honest with Lee, honestly, it's hear been me mainstream out. since the late 60s. Yeah, but hear me out. It's like there's a lot more. Like you said, we grew up Captain Planet. I know, but hear me out. There's a lot more interesting things we could be talking about that we find Ooh. more interesting to talk about. Segway. No, not yet. Oh. But the very fact that we're talking about the environment means that we've sort of been sort of infected by the meme of it now. And like, 
this whole environmental thing, the way like it's part of the zeitgeist, like, yeah. the zeitgeist. But you know, like how attitudes change over time. And you were talking about that big cake chart of like, China. Homosexuality changed over yeah, time, and, and like people get so so views str- on homosexuality. Views, views get so strong and righteous about things, and that you get that moral belief that this is correct, this is the right direction, this is what we're about, this is who I am. Can you imagine in the world in fifty years from now? Fifty years from now, we might there might be justifying wars on pollution. They say we're going to invade you. China, because you know you're not you're not net zero. If you buy, you're not net the, zero. Um, you're like still doing fifty percent, mate. Because they're quite, we're going to um, go to war with you. Insulate like... Britain. <laughs> Did you see that insulate Britain one where the woman was irate because her mother was dying? You could tell they they have this messianic complex of, well, look, we're sorry about that, but we're saving the planet. You know, like I think they genuinely believe human race by twenty thirty will be extinct, even though there's no real evidence of that. Tom, there's no reason to believe that. Yeah, but at any moment, like, I'm sorry to bring bring down the mood, but at any moment, a huge like meteorite um, travelling at near light speed could collide with Earth. But this is it. They're and kind of esch- uh, what's the what's the word eschatological. There's been extinction. You know, like, level obsessed of with you know Armageddon. Yeah, annihilation of yeah, the human yeah, race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they are that obsessed with it, then yeah, in the future, you might fight a war over you have nuclear reactors. We don't like that. Yeah. But the, the, the sad thing about nuclear power, it, even though it, if done correctly, it is like safe and clean, it still leaves a terrible legacy for the future because the, the waste from that, the nuclear waste. Supposedly the <laughs> Russians, right, uh, they've been developing a nuclear reactor where the, uh, the emissions, the waste, actually feeds back. It's a closed loop system. Right. And so the waste is actually fed back into the reactor uh-huh. and it's like you get a little bit of more fuel out of it. It means if we want to do nuclear reactors, we're probably going to have to buy them for the Russians. The Russians will probably have backdoor, like you know, software kind of shit, <coughs> malicious software that sort of infects everything. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so to sort of wrap it up, yeah. then is it not a better world to just get rid of cars? We'd have a better world if we just got. I mean, we'd have to Tom. restructure. Like we'd have to go back to like the focus is on the local high street rather than supermarket and like massive shopping malls, shopping centres. Tom, the the future can only go two ways uh star trek or mad max yeah like you're talking about cars we need cars were great because like i say they are the ultimate form of freedom and it means people can move around freely whenever they want and stuff can you just imagine the streets are just going to be full of cables everyone who lives in like a fourth floor flat with the wire going out their window plugged into their car it's going to be like wires everywhere if everyone gets electric cars maybe in the great reset that's when they announce Oh, by the way, we have tech, uh, we're getting rid of cars. Everyone goes nuts, you motherfuckers. Oh, and we're going to show you the uh, teleporter technology that we just developed that they've had really for like 90 years. That'll take this thing out of it at least. Anyway, that was, yeah, weird. Well, no, it's, 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 a little boat? it's something, just let me finish off. It's, it's this thing called, uh, Theseus's boat. You heard of that? Where he changes each plank of wood over the years. Yeah. And so it's essentially, is it the same boat, yes or no? Yeah. Or is it a new boat? Yeah. It's like Trigger's broom and only falls on horses. You know, he's had the same <laughs> broom for 20 years and he's had five new handles and 10 new heads, you know, so whatever. Um, but maybe it's that whole thing. Maybe it's like that for the planet as well. Like I say, these volcanoes go off. They actually blow particles into the high altitude, which um, make the sun hazy. So actually reduce global warming. So it, well, haven't, like, maybe the planet does have a way of just like fixing this stuff over time. You know, I think it was like 1100 BC. A lot of uh, Mediterranean civilizations got wiped out because like the temperature suddenly went up two, three degrees mm. over the course of a decade or something. And mm-hmm. it just, 
like their crops failed and all that. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like obviously it's not pollution is obviously not helping. It's exacerbating it. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not married to the idea that like yeah, like human uh, global warming, climate change. If we um, deindustrialize it, will spare us. I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I think it might fuck over everything along the equator, no matter what. Tom, however good we do with the environment, thousands of years from now, there'll be another ice age. And, you know, the huge glaciers will just, like, tear cities in two. So, <laughs> why worry? <laughs> do you know what I mean? The climate does change. Anyway, moving on to the next topic. Let's go, Brandon. Oh. race that if you were to win it would be incredible how does the reality of this moment live up to the dream oh my god this is just this is uh everything i've ever wanted to do is take the trophy home to mom and dad and oh my god thank you to all of our partners oh my god it's just such an unbelievable moment brandon you also told me as you can hear the chants from the the crowd Getting louder. Each line didn't uh, stay to one. It everything shifted top to bottom so much that it was kind of like, okay, let's just stay patient where we're at and hope for the best. Yeah, that was a great race. Really good driving. So, all right, because I, yeah, I was kind of out of the loop for a little while on this uh, internet meme. Let's go, Brandon. But that was the uh, the source of the meme there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So NASCAR driver is one Talladega, whatever that racetrack's called. And like, yeah, Brandon you can hear. Brown. So he's standing on the racetrack. Behind him is a like huge crowd of mostly what I imagine are, you know, the stereotype is the redneck, isn't it? The NASCAR, yeah. And yeah, you heard the like, you can hear the crowd chanting "fuck Joe Biden" with a passion. And of course, they can hear the interviewer, uh, the lady interviewing the guy. They can hear her. Yeah, it sounded the, like over they the, were over the PA. Yeah. Um. So they didn't like it when she tried to correct what they were saying <laughs> and uh but you know that that's that's why it's a, a very fun meme that's taken off because no, it doesn't even need to be political about yeah, joe biden in particular it can just be yeah. about how how the whole media will just say something that's blatantly untrue i reckon she was just trying face. to cover the um because you know they've Expletives. got laws about yeah, yeah, yeah swear yeah. words going out over there i don't think she's a democratic party stooge as it were but no but yeah, it's, that's how the Let's Go Brandon meme got started. And the reason we bring this up is that it's, bas- it's by and large, it's sort of been banned. People but like people are making TikTok videos doing Let's Go Brandon and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing in, in today's world. Like, anybody can uh, knock together a song and, uh, ch- you know, take their chances in the charts. The actual number one tune on iCharts for the last couple of days has been Let's Go Brandon, a sort of rap rap version and uh it's knocked Adele it's, off it's not it's knocked Adele off the number one spot of itunes for a few days so it wasn't just the chant that was number no, one it's, iTunes. it spawned a multitude of uh t-shirts and face masks so there was actually a one of the republican uh representatives or something he wore he wore <laughs> it in the senate you know a let's go brandon face mask um 
So it's it's sort of broken through and broken out as as memes that's, go. That's a bit crass. The face mask and like. Well, it would be more crass to have "fuck Joe Biden" written on it. Well, yeah, okay. And fine. I'm sure there's been loads of t-shirts that's what it saying means. that as well. They know that's what it means. You can tell there's a lot of discontent in America at the moment, like there are in most Western countries, because I think coronavirus has done a number on everyone, and it's forced all, all all our governments to be like a little bit more authoritarian and just. You can just tell that you know there's been everyone's taken a hit financially. It's well, I think yeah, it's sort of driven a wedge between people who are more libertarian versus authoritarian. Well, this is just a general, you know, loss of uh, you know. None of our politicians are particularly popular at the moment, are they? You know, or or well liked. No, I'm trying to think who is at the moment. Oh, David Ames, but he's. <laughs> no, I'm talking. I'm talking on the, the global scale. I'm, talk, I'm talking about won. the Borises. I'm talking about the Macrons. I'm talking about the Bidens. You know, the Trudeaus. They're, 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 they're all they're all like very um, un- yeah. unpopular at the moment. Because you know they tried to scapegoat Trump. You know, they put the sins of populism on Trump and then kick him out. Mm. But it's not really. They didn't get rid of the problem of populism. No, they by getting rid of Trump. They've been forced to. to to pick up that baton and, and run with it, you know. Well, do you remember when Trump, uh, Trump, when Biden Some came in, you know, he was selling it as, I'm I'm the unity candidate. I'm the one that's going to unify America. That's probably not a realistic, uh, you can't, America is sort of, there's two Americas now. The idea of like one government mm. and in such a like party, partisan setup as well. well the the talk- idea that one president can govern, one party can govern. Well, it's such a vast land. Like, um, they might have to end up doing some sort of succession thing and splitting the country. Supposedly it's getting more and more popular, like in Texas, uh, California now. I'm sure at some point New York will want to secede for the rest of their country. Calexit. Like um, I said, there's, there's a lot of discontent, but I think a lot of it is to do with coronavirus because people are cooped up for like a bloody year and then they come out to like gas prices around the world are going up, petrol's expensive everywhere, everyone's yeah, paying be... you less. And like there's, there's just a generally a lot of sort of discontent. You mentioned the uh, pandemic has changed people. Well, not changed people, it's just done a number on us, hasn't it? You know, you can, you're, you're, you're fundamentally, you're fundamentally the same person, but you're, the, the, the environment around you has changed. Even if that's something as simple as everyone wearing a mask and not being able to like see their face and smile and stuff. So. All right, but let's bring us back to. There's a lot of discontent. And like I say, it ties into this fuck Joe Biden thing because like I say, it doesn't, you don't need to be pro Trump to be fuck Joe Biden or let's go Brandon. You can be, mm. uh, you could even because, like I say, it's, it's all you about. You could be someone who voted Biden, but you're disappointed. But like I say, it's all about the image rather than the action. Like if she was like a proper reporter, she'd be like, "Oh, this, there's a lot of discontent. You know, people are chanting fuck Joe Biden. This is like shocking news. You know, and like yeah, this isn't a protest rally. It's, this it's, is NASCAR. I know she could she could say something like that, but it's, instead she's like, "Oh, they're not saying fuck Joe Biden. They're saying let's go Brandon." So it, it's it's that clear thing of the the image being more important than the action and. Because I remember people getting banned. But it's the fact. Um, you know, for the Wuhan lab leak yeah. theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, a year later, they were like, oh, actually, there might be something to that. Because, I mean, it, we knew at the time when they said, oh, no, it's definitely. We looked into it, and it's definitely not. There's definitely no credence to the idea that it came out of the lab. It was uh, it came out of the wet market. We know it is. We know that happened because the Chinese said so. Well, it, it's going to become one of those sort of, you could say, it's going to become like a sort of metaphorical building seven thing. 
keep coming yeah, back but it to. will be dismissed as a the thing is like there wasn't there really isn't anything to building seven well let's but not talk about that i'm, I'm land, never going like, to talk about 9-11 on a podcast with you good but the worrying trend is there seems to be sort of a like like a convergence between silicon valley and the political class where i feel like they're way too like with nick clegg going over to facebook although oh no it's not called facebook anymore is it Trans, What's it called now? Transhumanist, cyborg, AI, avativistic matrix, fourth that, that dimension. That can't be the name. <laughs> Metaverse. Meta, for short. Yeah, it's changed its name, right? Yes. Facebook is now Meta. What was the thing? Oh, yeah. There's like a worrying trend of like how they're sort of converging. And something that the pandemic exposed that sort of like has been worrying me. I think Britain now is probably majority of people in this country are authoritarian rather than liberal or libertarian. Uh, libertarian, do you know what I mean? No. Like, I think they like government they li- coming in and saying, right, you've, you're, it's, you we're, know, just the fact that it's called lockdown. We're just going to give you money to stay indoors and not, not, not bother us. <laughs> but we do what the fuck we want. Okay? Yeah, because um, the Tory okay. government is pretty much just taking, like, they're seizing all this power by, like, these executive orders kind of things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're taking more and more power. Like you say, whilst we were locked inside and um, watching Netflix and hardcore pornography. Yeah. Do you remember the sort of early narratives about the internet? How it would be like incredibly liberating and a great force for democracy and like it would be a mass, uh, a great tool to use against tyrannical governments? Well, in a way, it's that still is around in probably in the form of the dark web. Yeah, but how many people even really know... Well, it's like, don't ask me about the dark web, I've only got like a fucking iPhone. So, <laughs> you know, but in the early days of the internet, it was completely uncontrolled and there was like, people could get lots of information about sort of making explosives or like making drugs. And yeah, we did that, the Jolly Rancher, uh, anarchist cookbook thing, all sorts stuff of, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there's always just, you know, it was like the sort of Wild West. Um, but it's, it's slowly coalesced into like a, a few sort of chunks but this is what i'm getting at it's like what the internet is really is it's an authoritarian regime's wet dream especially if you like the opposite i thought it's uncontrolled dude like this is why we like nothing dude like you know how nothing came of the arab spring because you remember how people used to talk about facebook Mm. oh it's amazing because people are organized they're using facebook and twitter to organize protest rallies and yada yada yada. there's going to be an uprising what really happened though they used the data yeah because you can, like, you know what I mean? Nothing's unhackable. Nothing's on... Like, uh, like, I imagine... I reckon Bitcoin, right? If the US government cracked Bitcoin, like, blockchain technology... Yeah. They wouldn't let anybody know they've done it. Do you know what I mean? They would happily let people think, oh, yeah, 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 you're perfectly safe. We have no idea what you're spending money on. No, we have no clue. Really, they do know. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. They but just that's make really it... the nature of the internet. Yeah. You have one giant company and everybody flocks... You have one giant website, whatever. Everyone flocks there. And then, like, the governments around the world get back doors. Do you know what I mean? They pressure that website. Because they're real people with real lives. Do you know what I mean? The government has the power to fuck with them. Well, Tom, there's there's huge huge cables underneath the Atlantic Ocean. And, you know, going for hundreds of miles. If they want, they could just ban your website. Do you know what I mean? I know, but what I mean is, like, they can just get that information however they want. And like I say, two thousand one ne- AT and T, the um, whistleblower, never, never put anything on the internet you wouldn't show to your grandmother. Yeah, you mentioned dark web, right? Yeah. If you've ever put your personal details into an online form, or even that another way this can happen is your employer. 
yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. protect your data properly. Yeah. But basically, every single personal pertinent bit of information about you is on the dark web somewhere. Wow. And what's the, o- the, the so only real thing that's... exposed and naked. Well, the only thing that's really protecting you is that you're one amongst billions. Do you know what I mean? But yes. sooner or later... All they need to your do... Your identity is going to get stolen. Well, your it's bank like, account's going like to get cleared out. If they want to look you up, they can look you up. Because uh, I was saying, like, yeah, like majority of British population is uh, authoritarian, which is scary thought. But it's a bad news, this authoritarian streak in terms of internet censorship. Because basically no one's really against internet censorship as just a basic principle. Mm. Like, nobody cares, really. Like, I didn't care when Navarro Media got banned, where uh, their YouTube channel got temporarily deleted. Yeah. I didn't really care, because I don't really give a shit about Navarro Media. The only the only thing that made it stand out to me, because one, I knew that, it, you know, they'd probably be reinstated in a few hours, um, was that... It was just sort of funny because people were saying like, well, why don't they go on to like Trump's new platform? Because that's like completely free speech. Or like they were suggesting... Well, there's no audience really. But they were suggesting like... It's not other their pla- audience. I know, either. but you know what I mean? It's like they're sort of mortal enemy wouldn't ban them. And it was sort of made a nice ideological point. But... Yeah, I know a lot of Guardian writers who are pissed off that like... Because we'll get into this in a second, transgenderism. But if they say something that's not progressive enough... They can't write it in the Guardian. They have to write it in somewhere like the Times or the Spectator or the Telegraph, like because everything's so partisan. Like Navarra Media, they like they wouldn't give a shit Navarra Media if, say, like Spectator TV as a YouTube channel got deleted. Right, they wouldn't care. They'd be like, oh, it's a good thing. They they're you know they're a hate speech channel. Blah 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 blah. And so to me, it's kind of conflicting in the sense of I don't think Navarra Media should have been like if you upload something that YouTube doesn't like. The idea that your whole channel should be deleted is obviously a bit fucking extreme. Mm. So I'm not in favour of that. Yeah, but, but, but at the you... same time, it's not like Navarro Media would ever reciprocate that to someone else. And it's like I don't know. I'm kind of conflicting in terms of. Come on, I extend the hand to you that you would never extend to me, sort of thing, Jeremy. I got to say though, some people they sort of treat YouTube like it's their local park or something, and they can just go there and do whatever they like they forget that it's it is just like years and years ago you signed up to it you had to click some i agree button at the bottom you didn't bother reading the huge wall of text so like in the end of the day you you did agree to some terms and conditions just to get this like free thing in the end of the day people people do treat youtube like it's some sort of their personal it's a big part of people's lives though isn't it their personal right but they forget it's just like a company and it's like if 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 you run a bar or anywhere like that you've you've got the right to throw someone out if they're causing trouble or you just don't like the way they look <laughs> well that's <laughs> the, the, um, a bit bad but it's the way it works with business youtube got themselves into that sort of bother where they kept advertising themselves especially at the start we are a free speech platform we're not going to censor you and your beliefs your opinions as long as you, you know you know within the usual limits of um you're not advocating genocide do you know what i mean like but yeah it's getting out of order like you need unity you need people on both sides, all sides, to actually be against censorship for it to actually not become normalised. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, I think it pretty much has been normalised. I'll give an example of like where the normalisation is a problem. Mentioned transgenderism. Dave Chappelle, right? He's accused all the time that, like, he's obsessed. He's obsessed with transgenderism. He keeps making. He just can't stop himself. He keeps making these trans jokes. We keep telling him he's not allowed to do it, and he keeps doing it. And it's like, yeah, they don't. You're obviously not getting the point, are they? The only real reason he keeps making trans jokes is because you keep telling him he can't do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just material for him. 
And it's like the nature of funny. You know, like not everyone's going to find offensive jokes funny, right? The jokes that are going to get the biggest gut laugh, like the real like falling out of your chair funny kind of joke, are going to be the jokes on taboo subjects. Transgression, isn't it? Yeah. It's when you cross the line, you normally sort of step off a curb and it's that fall fall in feeling that makes you sort of laugh. Arguably the best jokes are going to be those kind of jokes, do you know what I mean? The ones that are going to get the biggest laughs. Yeah, well, like, I actually watched, because there was all the furore about it, and I reckon you'd want to talk about it. I watched some clips of him talking about it, and, like, he basically said, I make jokes about them because I find it funny. That's what he said. He's he's a funny comedian. He's got a good sense of time. Man in a dress is a staple of comedy. But, like I say, if Dave Chappelle made jokes about people in wheelchairs, would would that destroy his career? No. No, because comedians do that sort of shit and a lot worse all the time and do jokes about blind people. I think stand-up comedy was the last... Serial killers and um, disgusting things. The last sort of cultural activity where you were like, actually, it's just jokes so they can say what they want. Mm. But you... Okay, we'll say yes to strictures on everyone else, but stand-ups will keep... And it was like that sort of like 20 years. But now it's sort of finally... Their time has come now. Because the thing is, like, Netflix CEO, I can't remember his name, but he came out and he was like, he was basically defending Dave Chappelle's right to be offensive, right? But the problem is, for a few years now, Netflix has been pulling episodes of sitcoms because they're deemed offensive. Like, there's episodes of Friends around uh, Chandler's transvestite father or transsexual father. I can't remember. I remember he wasn't transgender. He was, he was like, he was either transvestite or transsexual. And it's meant to be like, oh my God, it's transphobic. So they pulled the episodes down. Right? Yeah. So how can you concede that, oh, okay, these sitcom episodes have to go. Yeah. And because it, it's, it's a comedian, a comedian wrote it. Do you know what I mean? Attitudes change though over time. And what's, what's acceptable. It's like, there's a lot of BBC comedies from the seventies, which had like some racial overtones in, um, yeah, but which we'll never, which we'll never see again. Yeah, but you should pull down. If you conceded, okay, this is offensive, so we're going to pull this down. Okay, these people have complained Dave Chappelle's special was offensive. Yeah. To maintain consistency, I mean, I'm not saying I want them to pull it down. Yeah, but it would be... But they should really, because they've already conceded on sitcoms. What does it boil down to, though? Like, uh, numbers, probably. You know, because if there was like some... I bet friends made them a bit of money. But if there was like some sort of racist comedian... The Office office had... uh, that the, one of the biggest bits in the office yeah. where he's doing the Chris Rock routine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I don't see, uh, I'm not looking over my shoulder for the media. Like, do you know what I mean? That thing. Uh, I bet that got pulled. Yeah, but what I was saying is, though, is if, if there was like a sort of racist comedian who was known to be a racist. Like Bernard Manning. Yeah, like, you'd be able to look at how many uh, viewers that got on Netflix and it it might be hardly any because people wouldn't want to watch it but because but but because but what if it was a lot of but, people but if it was a lot of people like Dave Dave Chappelle and it's it, and the other thing is Netflix it's not like he said anything really awful though I know but it's it's all about context as well it's, he just said there's something funny about it right but there's something funny about everything do you know what I mean yeah like Jews have made holocaust jokes if you can like you should be able to make the attempt at the very least to try and be funny and if it goes wrong it goes wrong Humor is just a sort of fundamental part of the human experience. You have to, you can either, any, anything you experience in life, you can either choose to laugh about it or cry about it. Uh, you know, and that's to the extremes in each direction, but it's, it's going one way or another and you may as well laugh. So like talking about bad subjects, trying to find that little bit of light in the darkness, you know, oh, I shouldn't laugh, but <laughs> you do. And 
you know that that can bring some relief sometimes even if it's like a gallows humor they call it don't yeah. they you sort of gasp at your yourself well, laughing no, about not, it because they they say like oh you can't punch down you can't punch down right but the thing is a lot of humor is in essence there's a mean-spiritedness to it right and it doesn't work when you're trying to come up with a list of oh okay you can make fun of these people but not these people you can make fun of gammons karens do you know what i mean yeah you can make fun of tories and tory voters yes like these are the acceptable hit lists yes and then there's a list of unacceptable hit like do you know what i mean like, it doesn't can, really work yeah, yeah. i mean that's what Ro- like, the point rowan atkinson made like 35 years ago is like look just come up with the list of things i'm allowed to say and things i'm not allowed to say so that at least i know i can actually write comedy within the acceptable parameters but there has to you have to say what those parameters are first well they've sort of moved beyond that now because rather than do that they'll just edit you or not play you or say that you're saying something else as in the case of let's go brandon (laughs) you know they'll say you're saying one thing when you're saying something else and uh this might be a bit too american centric but you know ruth bader ginsburg the supreme court justice yes who passed away yes you know like there's like she's really quite heavily revered yeah and then someone i can't remember who it was but they did a famous quote of hers uh, and it was about women and uh reproductive rights that's the term i'm looking for right okay but they took the ref all the time she made references to women yeah they changed it to people or persons. Right, right, To right. try and make it trans-inclusive. Yes. And it's like, okay, is that acceptable to change someone's quote? Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, retroactively change. Well, they probably said, she'd want us to now, you know. Yes. She'd Don't agree. know that. She's she, an old she, woman. I bet she, she didn't. She would have changed her, you know, she, if, you know, if she, she said that quote in the 60s, if she said that now, she would have said person, obviously, obviously. Think, but it's not just comedians, though, isn't it? It's just like, this is affecting everything. Well. It's y- affecting, uh, try and segue here, academia. A professor at the University of Sussex embroiled in a scandal for the last, last couple of years, I think. Why? But really only got sort of mainstream attention the last couple of months. What got them into trouble? Was it their words? Uh, so she's a professor of philosophy, a lesbian, feminist. Brilliant. University of Sussex. Uh-huh. And what they're calling themselves uh, gender-critical feminists, right? A gender-critical feminist is a radical feminist who agrees kind of that, yeah, okay, we'll agree to trans women and women, we'll agree to preferred pronouns, we'll agree to... The, Trans women should be able to go into women's changing rooms and toilets, but we're going to say no to trans women in women's prisons and, like, refuges. But she but just... she was getting harassed. She was getting death threats. Yeah. And, like I say, she was a lesbian, right? And so right. one of the sort of... Uh, one of the ways that these uh, lobbyists on behalf of transgenders would try and attack her... Yeah. ...would be like, oh, you have to suck my dick. I'm a trans woman, but you have to suck my dick, otherwise you're not a real lesbian, like that kind of shit. And that's something that also came out this week. Do you, like, do you that see made that? my brain hurt. I know, it's ridiculous. But the BBC you know, did this article about how like lesbians are being told this by trans women. I've, I heard about this year, like this was like four years ago, I heard about lesbians being told this. Most lesbians finally... I know would just say, fuck off if someone I said know, that right? to them. But that's the a disgusting time, thing to say. Yeah, but I know, but the thing is, right, it's, it's biological males saying it to biological females. Yeah. If biological females are like, oh yeah, fuck off, oh, fuck you kind of thing. Yeah. What if the biological male, you know, responds in a way that biological males are sort of prone to? 
like do you know what i mean hits her yeah what she actually had people like that's what i'm saying it's oh, like wow, that's terrible you can't just really sort of just leave it up to but the they like, to just sort of say but the thing off. is though if they're if they're that mental like they'd be like if you don't resign i'm gonna like keep attacking you even after she's resigned she'll still keep getting attacked she'll probably still yeah like i wouldn't bother resigning. Rest, the rest of her life sort of thing but it, this is an academia right and you know there's meant to be in the old liberal order there's meant to be sort of like academics can go places where maybe you know society might say they're you know, not comfortable going do you know what i mean like the men are just sort of question dogma and orthodoxies Right. You meant to have that academic freedom. Completely. But the fact that she's basically been bullied off of campus and a number of um, teachers and student unions have all come out and said, like, yeah, actually, it's a good thing that she's basically gone. But you have to, you've got to stand up because they've signed up all all these sort of harm prevention clauses and initiatives and inclusivity initiatives and things like this, right? Right. So on the one hand, you've got academic freedom. But then on the other hand, you've got, well, we have to prevent the students from being harmed. And, you know, it's not just physical harm. Students can be psychologically and emotionally harmed. And, you know, hearing hearing things that they don't agree with could be pretty dangerous. We're, you know, we're going to have to set up safe spaces with you know, a little mm-hmm. puppy, little puppy stroking session. And we all know that that isn't the real world because as soon as you... It's becoming the real world, though. They're going out into the real world. This is what I used to think. Was... I know, but like you get on the bus or tube to university and there'll be some nutter going off or say anything to you. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a they... futile cause, ultimately. Well, I thought they'll go out into the world, get a real job, right? And then, yeah, they'll grow out of it. But no, what they did is they went into HR departments. <laughs> or work for the BBC. And they changed the culture in the in their corporate environment. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, something I was going to say, right? Transgenderism. Mm. Something that I'm getting fed up uh, fed up with. Almost always the conversation, like basically the conversation on transgenderism, the parameters of it, of like the framework of it is entirely uh, like, it's just what radical feminists think about gender. Yeah. So just even the mantra, the dogmatism of trans women and women, I doubt the vast majority of people in this country actually agree with that. Do you know what I mean? I know, but but, it's, but like I but say, that's you, but you say, but, feminist position on it. Yeah, but you say the vast majority of people, and you're right because, like, probably ninety five whatever percent of people will never experience anything like these feelings in their life. So, like, we've got to be honest with you, neither of us have any conception of what it must feel like to actually be transgender. Do you remember Caitlyn Jenner was trans for like four months and one woman of the year? Yeah, I remember it was only one woman in the office who felt like she could actually complain about that. And it was a sassy black woman. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, all the white women. I could see on their faces they were annoyed by it, but they didn't feel like they could say anything. But what was that woman of the year in? Like, some nonsense magazine, you know? Well, you know, it's a big award for women. Like, get winning woman of the year. <laughs> like, man of the year is, used to be a big deal, way? but no one gives a shit anymore. But, but for ma- women, it's a big deal now. But the problem Good. is, it's like, the whole conversation on gender... Not even just transgenderism, mm. just gender. The idea of gender and like, oh, it's it's a social construction. It's made up bullshit. It doesn't, you know, there's the... They're trying to put this wall of separation between gender and biology, biological sex. Mm. But there isn't a wall of separation between them. And that's what's really annoying. It's like you can't... The base sort of assumption on gender now is that that's not true anymore. Mm. And that really gender's just made up bullshit you can change your gender day in day out doesn't matter it's all bollocks anyway it's assigned at birth and all this nonsense 
right? But if you accept trans women and women, and if you accept gender's made up nonsense, I don't know how you can say, well, trans women are women, but they shouldn't be in women's prisons. It's like, well, they're women. But if they're truly, 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 truly trans, then that's something they feel in their soul, in their heart. Yeah, I know. Yeah? It's a problem. And, they, and it's, it's a real thing. Like, biologically, okay, they've got, like, these, these chromosomes, sex and Y, so, like, biologically, you're this. That's what I was going to say. Is like, yeah, it deserves compassion and sympathy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. It's like a mental condition sort of thing. But anyway. But it's down to doctors. It's like... I don't like the fact that we can't... The majority opinion, the majority, like idea on gender yeah where it's actually it's linked by to biological sex it's derived from biological sex mm. that's off the table now and it was sort of just radical feminists are like you know, maybe 10 percent of the people in this country have like share a radical feminist worldview so it's like how have they come in and just changed the, the entire game and like just totally subverted gender to the point of absurdity and like even politicians you see like in that labor conference they made a fucking mess of it Oh, that's, they were talking about services. services. Yeah. Oh my god! But thank but you. That's, for, but that's the idea. The yeah. whole point of it is to trap you mm. in a world of like contradictions yeah. and paradoxes and weird. Like you're trying to be inclusive, but you're excluding these people by yeah. trying to be inclusive. Yeah, it's a, like, you know what I mean, yeah. it's designed to be. It's like it's like you chaotic see, nonsense. It's like you see a veteran and you say thank you for your service. <laughs> segue to this one quickly you gonna go see the uh, new marvel movie eternals definitely mm-hmm. let's just talk visually <laughs> visually the film looks really really good to me uh it's different mm. people people have said it's like a sort of marvel's t- trying to do a dc style movie i don't know i watched the trailer right it looked just generic mm. superhero that's what people say it doesn't really uh, there was a couple of faces I recognised, a few faces I didn't recognise. The it, acting on their faces, right? They were making a big deal about the spectacle of it, like that they've got these magic powers. Yeah. Their facial expressions looked like they were just fucking around, like they were, like it was cosplay. Yeah. And it was just sort of really like, nah. I just like pretty, have a I just like, I just like pr- pretty visuals and special effects and, and just like have crazy images flash up on a huge big screen with bombastic sounds and stirring music i want to i want to escape from all that and that's why i like this sort of fantasy stuff but you can't escape it because it's the movies now are being sold as oh it's good because of diversity it's good because it has a gay character in it and it's like well that's yeah i'm not against having gay characters in it but doesn't necessarily make it a good movie just because it's got diversity and gay characters in it you could say it's more about inclusivity than diversity, though, couldn't you? They're, they're both. Who fucking cares? It's comic book movie. I don't really. Yeah, but people yeah, like to be really people like to, people like to be represented. Although, like Batman and Superman, they were always popular with everyone around the world for like you know almost a hundred years. And like, like and and you you, you you didn't have to look like Batman or Superman to like imagine you you had their powers and you know it was exciting and stuff. When everyone I was a kid, loved I them. used to pretend I was Lando Calrissian. That's what that's what I mean. But it's like but that's cultural appropriation. But like now, nowadays, it's like they'll have to have like lots of different versions of Superman to. To, for every different I'd be accused of blackface today for doing that. Do you know what I mean? Did you black up as Lando Calrissian? No, but you, no. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, new Ghostbusters trailer. Halloween, yeah. It looks like a pile of shit to me. What, the trailer or the film? The film. I think the film would be good if it's got Bill Murray in doing Bill Murray things. I didn't see any Bill Murray in the well, trailer. That's because it's a trailer, isn't it? But it looked like 100%... 
I recognize this. I remember that. I remember that from the first one. I remember that from the second one. Do you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. doesn't, there was nothing in the trailer that made me think it's going to be, it'll probably be better than the 2016 one, but that's not saying much. But it's like, how much, how much of that stuff do they want to do anyway? Because, uh, be, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's, that was like Ghostbusters was like, what, nearly 40 years so ago. Been one, <laughs> so like, and the second movie wasn't that good. There's, you know, three movies, only one of them is really any good. Yeah. But like I say, and it's being made by Sony Pictures, and I, I doubt very much that Sony Pictures went, oh, Oh, actually, I've, this is an amazing script for a Ghostbusters movie. Maybe they made, maybe they made the trailer like I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. So people would go, actually, oh, this is Ghostbusters because they yeah? were annoyed and, and, by the last and one. The actual film will just be its own thing because they they probably want to start a new trilogy or something. So I'd say hold, reserve your judgment, man. As as always, you know. I know a lot of women got pissed off. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. All the the <laughs> um, the men in the geek culture community were going, "Oh my god, yeah, it looks amazing." Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really. It's sort of. It was just the member berries. It was just you know, you remember this, you remember that. We got to have a higher standard and things like that. Mm. No, the Batman movie looks alright. The new Batman movie. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Well, it it ticks all the boxes. It's dark and booty, and Batman's got a gruff voice and is mentally unstable. I'm vengeance. So you know, it ticks all those Batman boxes. Will we see his parents get shot again? How many times have you seen Batman's It'll parents? Be, it happens you'll see to like a pearl every, necklace in oh, slow motion. Every fucking past. Batman film, you see Thomas and Martha Wayne get blown away. Even in Joker, that wasn't a Batman film. You see them get shot. It's like, okay, how many times <laughs> these poor people need to get shot? I get the message. You know, they need to just do that shit in a five-second montage during the opening titles and get on with it. It looks really dark, though. I don't like movies that are so dark you can only sort of see their face in shadow the whole time. Oh, literally dark. Yeah. Very the, little light. They, they, like, there was a trend for that, and it just gets too dark, and it's like, yeah. I'm hoping Warner Brothers wake up and smell the coffee and sort of just go in this single movie direction and stop this extended universe bollocks. Do you know why I loved the Tim Burton Batman? Because even though it was it was admittedly quite dark in its design uh, this dark palette it it did it did sort of have some harking back to the 60s it had like a a bit campy had a little element of the crazy campiness and like the the Batman from the 60s is still fucking hilarious (laughs) it's brilliant the 90s ones went way too campy oh the George Clooney ones and uh, even the Val Kilmer one was too campy they actually put nipples on the bat suit the George Clooney oh god I remember that and they like he had really large codpiece didn't he yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a joke, but that, that was like deliberately trying to be like very camp, wasn't it? It's all. I, me- I just remember there was so much pink light and purple light. <laughs> anyway, all right, do a quick outro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to us, Babylon, about nothing. Babylon about Babylon. Tim, thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks you for having me. Just letting me uh, speak my mind briefly. All right, until next time. Goodbye. Easy. Like his ass, huh? Tried to cover up and tell the people.